you can totally do this. You have to pause and ask yourself, what is the story I'm telling myself here? And more importantly, is that story true? We don't want the thing. We think we want the thing, but what we really want is the feeling we think the thing is gonna give us. It is that simple. It is that complicated. It is so much easier than you think it's gonna be. Clarity in what you want, confidence in who you are, and the courage to stay true to both. This is To Call Myself Beloved, the podcast with Lise Wilcox. I'm so happy you're here. (laughs) Okay. Hello, lovely, and welcome back to To Call Myself Beloved, the podcast with Lise Wilcox. Man, it has been a while. It has been a while since we've been here in this space together, and I could not be happier that... um, I could not be happier (laughs) that we're back here together. I'm trying a couple of new things this season. Um, Lots and lots and lots of good content. I'm attempting or certainly intending to make it a video recording. Um, There's definitely the chance that this is going to become a membership site. We got all the things happening. All the things happening for a brand new 2020 vision. Tell me, how has your 2020 been going so far? I'm recording this the very first day of March after a leap year. And so far in my own life, I got to tell you, this has been the epitome of an of like a, a leap baby leap year. There is so much going on for me personally and professionally. Um, this episode is going to be all about the blockbuster hit of 2020 so far, the Netflix original series, Love is Blind. Unless you have been living under a rock for the past six weeks, um, you have definitely heard about this, or you've probably even seen it. It has been like number one in Canada of most watched shows, and I'm sure it's just like exploding all over the US. In case for some reason you are not familiar, you're unfamiliar with this show, just to quickly recap it, it's it's a reality show, and the premise is that it's an experiment to test whether or not love really is blind. So they get a group of, of contestants from across the U.S. or maybe just across Atlanta. Uh, they get them all together in one area, and they, they match them up in pods so that they never ever see each other. They only ever just um, communicate Um from behind a wall with the, with one another. And the intention is that through building or forging that emotional connection together, oh, sorry, my podcaster just went, did something wonky. After forging that emotional connection together, um, they will fall so madly in love that they'll be like, in love enough to not only propose, but to say yes. After that proposal happens, totally sight unseen, they meet. And after they meet, they are whisked away on vacation to Mexico for, I think, another week. Uh, And after the week in Mexico, um, you know, just living it up, um, then they're given their own like fully furnished condo and like kind of placed in that situation where they all of a sudden live together. And from there, they go to seeing where each other really lives in real life, meeting families, meeting friends, and ultimately planning a wedding. And the whole thing unfolds within about a six-week window, and it is a train wreck. (laughs) A 
<laughs> just short, just the long and the short of it is like a total train wreck. And I promise you, you will not be able to stop watching. Just like, you know, you can't take your eyes off of it. This is, this is Love is Blind in a nutshell. So today on the show, we are going to talk about what, you know, how a mindset coach weighs in on what we can all learn about love and relationships from the shit show that is Love is Blind. Listen, one of the things that is happening in 2020 is that yours truly is also going to be on a reality show. And while it may not be a love is blind experiment, it is this incredible opportunity to be on an intention-centered reality TV show. It's called The Social Movement. I'll be on season two. Um, Season one airs on Amazon Prime and Apple TV this June, I believe, and we shoot the very first week of July in Montreal. And the premise behind my show that I'm going to be on is um, the production crew, Lavoie Films, who's amazing, um, they have recruited 50 experts in their field from all across the world coming together on location. And for four days, we are broken up into teams, um, you know, divided by our area of expertise, and we're given a real life problem to solve. So, you know, it might be education, literacy, women's empowerment. Um, I know on season one, uh, how to stop a hurricane, you know, how to raise awareness for heart disease and illness. These incredible real life problems that affect all of our lives, we will be broken up into teams to create or come up with a solution to solve one of those problems and then pitch the solution to a team of investors who actually have the viable legitimate means to turn those those solutions to the problems into reality. I cannot believe that I get to be a part of this. It feels like such a wild opportunity to have that kind of like massive global impact. And I'm just so fired up. Now, I'm telling you about that because as we go forward into this podcast today, I'm not going into any of the personal stuff of each contestant because I am, well, A, as a person, I don't think that's the right thing to do because, you know, they are real people with real um, feelings. And um, they also have real producers there who continuously craft the storyline to show us, you know, hyped and amped up drama. So because I'm very sensitive that I'm going to be on a reality show and totally under the microscope, I'm being like extra cautious to not weigh in on the personal stuff of uh, Love is Blind. Um, One more thing before we get started, this is like a phenomenally massive, major, I'm so proud announcement. 2020 is the year my first book is being published Um, and actually two books because in September I have one book coming out. (laughs) I can't believe this is my life. In September, I have one book coming out that I am co-authoring. So I've um, contributed a chapter to this, you know, conglomerate book. And in October, October 22nd, 2020, to be precise, all those twos in there for uh, a good reason. Um, October 22nd, 2020, my book comes out and you are going to be a part of this. We're going to have launches. I'm going to have giveaways. I'm going to have a hype squad. For now though, I just have to finish writing it. (laughs) The manuscript is due so soon. This is a very like a very real situation that the book needs to be finished writing. Anyway, that's my 2020. I hope your 2020 is going well as well. And without further ado, we are going to launch into today's episode paper rings. What can we learn about relationships 
and love from Netflix's Love is Blind. Now, to get us started, I already gave you the intro to what the show is. And just to kind of further set the stage here, I am going to tell you, I'm going to go ahead and gloss right over the fact that every single person on the show is hot. You know, they're predominantly fit they, they fall within our conventional standards of beauty. They're like, the guys are smoking and the girls are so beautiful. They're all heteronormative. They're all able-bodied. It's like, okay, if you're going to talk about love is blind, I want to see some actual, you know, dynamics happening here, not getting a very um, homogenous um, playing field of from from which people are choosing. Basically, <laughs> they're all so good looking that it kind of doesn't matter, you know, if you have a personality connection with this person or that person, it, it's almost guaranteed that you're going to be attracted to them in real life. But you know, that's just my humble opinion. And as I said, I'm just going to gloss over it. Um, I'm also going to gloss over, as I said, any of the personal stuff, you know, everybody has something to say about each of them personally and their own weaknesses and character flaws, but you know, that's life. It's wild to watch each of these people. It's, you know, Netflix has run this as a three week event. So they had released like five hours of the show one week, five hours of the show the next week, and two hours like as a special the, the final week. And I have heard, though I don't know if this is substantiated, I've heard they're also releasing a um, like a reunion episode to see after, you know, some of the couples got married. Um, oops, spoiler, some of the couples don't get married. Um, after some of them do, they get them all back together on stage to talk about what their experience was like. Um, but as I say, without further ado... Here we go. The real experiment of this show is to see not if love is blind, but to see how much train wreck TV we will sit and watch. And if you are like me and the hundreds of others of thousands of viewers, the answer is as long as it takes. And while most of the show and the relationship dynamics within it are totally cringeworthy, there is something so humanly compelling about it, that it's just hard not to look away. So knowing that it's got our attention, and I mean, like, it's really got our attention. Um, each of the 10 finalist Instagram accounts have, have blown up so much. They have all exceeded the 100,000 follower point. And most of them, most of them have like the coveted blue verified check mark. I've been on Instagram for years. I hustle every day. I create like, again, in my humble opinion, really beautiful, well thought out, life changing content every single bloody day on Instagram. And these Yahoo show up and three weeks later after being on a dating show, they're all verified. I can only hope this will happen to me as well after my own show this summer. But nonetheless, I digress. Anyway, what can we learn about our own love and relationships from watching the relationships the relationship dynamics on the show play out in front of us? So here we go with yours truly, a mindset coach, weighing in on the top three takeaways for each of our own love lives. Number one, always go with your gut. I have said this before. I will say it again. I will say it to anybody who will stop and listen. Even if they won't listen, I will keep saying it. Our emotions and our feelings are simply feedback. When we have a feeling, we are gaining insight as to what is really happening beneath the surface. So when 
for example, something feels, you know, quote unquote off, it is. Even if you can't fully explain it, your body always knows before your mind that something doesn't feel quite right. The problem is, for many of us, we have learned over a lifetime to do what others want us to do. You know, we learn to do what will keep the peace, what will please those around us. What is the thing we think we should do? rather than the thing we feel is the right thing to do. In many cases, we've placed so much importance on doing the thing we think others want us to do. We create a behavior pattern that ignores what we truly feel and how we truly feel and acts solely on what we think we're supposed to do. In the show, you can see so many of those internal conflicts weighing out things, you know, like, well, he really makes me want to be a better person. That's why you should get married. You know, well, he's been through, he's been with me or she's been with me. She's been my rock through this whole experience. That's why you should get married. By the way, they say that so, so often, so many times, like, you know, through this whole thing, they've really been by my side. And I'm sitting here screaming at my TV being like, you've only known each other for two weeks. This whole thing has been for two weeks. So let's not get carried away with, you know, selling the family farm here. You haven't really had a lot of opportunity to be or not be by one another's side, but nonetheless. Um, one comment in particular really, really stood out for me on the show um, because, you know, I have like a partial obsession with having a fear of getting what we want, um, which I've written about before. It's got its own chapter in the book. It's really compelling to me that, you know, sometimes we're afraid of failing and sometimes we're actually afraid of getting what we want because that poses such a threat or such a risk to all of our subconscious beliefs that when we start to live in a way, in such a way that disproves our subconscious beliefs about how our story, how our story in our life should play out, we actually have trouble receiving what we want. Um, but in this case, one of the finalists, I think Lauren, um, says, you know, I have been praying for the man of my dreams for so long. And I've said, you know, like, Lord, send me my match. And bam, here he is. And I'm like, oh, I'm not really sure anymore. And it's fascinating. But, you know, from her uh, her perspective on the show, she really is. She's like, well, I have been asking this for so long, so... I should be happy. I guess I should get married. We need to stop the should show. It doesn't matter how perfect something seems on paper. If it doesn't feel good to you or if it feels scary in any way, you have to ask yourself, what is the story I'm telling myself here? And is that story true? This one little mindset hack will help you get almost instant clarity on what's really happening. And if it's a legit fear taking over your emotional body, or if it's just an emotion that's telling you something is amiss, your body always knows and will communicate uh, with you via anxiety, tension, a hunch, or very loud alarm bells that tell you something is not right for you. You have to listen to that above all else. Always go with your gut. Second takeaway is actions will always speak louder than words. Oh, baby, talk is cheap. What someone says to you matters far, far less than what they show to you. Endless I love yous and waxing poetic about how you've changed their perspective and changed their life is great, but it isn't enough. 
Words are very, very easy to come by. But the follow through that comes from actual action far outweighs what anyone can say. This is the point in the show where I desperately want to sing to you one of my all-time favorite songs by Extreme, more than words, but why don't you finish the show and go ahead and put that on um, your iPhone later. (laughs) I will always support you means very, very little without any demonstration of what that support looks like, especially in times of adversity. You know, saying, I really feel an emotional connection, connection with you pales in comparison to the body language that's so prevalent on this show of like active recoiling away from each other, you know, arms crossed, uh, folded across your chest, you know, tilting your head back, leaning away, feet pointing in the opposite direction. It doesn't matter how many times you say you, uh, you love me or that you want to be with me. If your body language communicates something other than that, that's what I have to listen to because all actions always speak louder than words. I am so sorry. I'm going to try harder is just lip service when somebody does not actively put an effort into the be the, the uh, into actually changing the behavior that they're apologizing for. It's easy to get caught up in the romance of the moment. Lasting love and intimacy is built through living, breathing proof of putting words into action. So remember, the second takeaway here is that talk is cheap and actions always speak louder than words. Takeaway number three, you cannot build a relationship on peak experiences. And I'm going to actually say that again, because also something I feel incredibly passionate about, you cannot build a relationship on peak experiences. We think we want the thing over and over again. We think it's the thing that we want. But what we really want is the feeling we think the thing is going to give us. In our relationships, we so often look to create those peak experiences, those perfect and elaborate moments that are just over the top. On the show, you can see this um, demonstrated through like helicopter rides over the city at sunset and picnics on the beach and, you know, riding horses down the beach to get to the picnic. Um, A secluded getaway on a private island or a private resort. Those are each peak moments and peak experiences. We think those peak experiences are going to bring us, you know, what we want. And what we want is intimacy, togetherness, trust, passion, romance, respect, adoration, connectedness. And so we reach for these wild and grand gestures we think will elicit those feelings, and they do sometimes. A peak experience can elicit those feelings temporarily because it elicits the dopamine high that we experience while we're in that peak moment of a grand gesture. But when we are building relationships, what we need to focus on, uh, uh, focus on building is the feeling itself, not the experience we think that's going to bring us the feeling that we want. You, if you crave intimacy, you have to share intimately with each other. 
if you want togetherness, you have to create space to share things together. You have to do things in your daily life that establish trust, that fuel your passion, that bring you joy and demonstrate respect, adoration, and connectedness. You have to learn to speak each other's love language and act every single day in little ways that show your partner how much you care about them. That's right, that show your partner how much you care about them. Doing the dishes together every night, laughing or dancing in your kitchen is going to bring you closer than an overly planned helicopter ride at sunset ever could. And fun fact, if you are somebody who's dating and you're looking for a way to kind of like spice up or really keep your dating life very interesting, sometimes the advice that you get is to like go and do something that's totally outside of your comfort zone, like go rollerblading. For me personally, that is like so far outside my comfort zone and there are about 152 billion things I would rather do than go rollerblading, but that's just me. Anyway, the, the, some of the, um, very misguided and misinformed dating advice you will get is to go and do something that's like totally outside of your comfort zone to really challenge you and like put you in that uh, moment together. And, you know, some of that is good except that if you go through that moment where you have that high, like that dopamine high of doing something new, doing something fresh, doing something exciting, you chemically get clouded with dopamine, which actually alters your uh, the lens through which you look at your potential partner with, you know, it's going to be treated with dopamine and this like drug induced, um, emotional high instead of like being there in that moment with your partner. Does that make sense? It means that you can kind of falsely fall in love with somebody because of the feeling you get while you're with them. It's not actually the person who's eliciting that feeling with you. It's the experience that that is eliciting that feeling with you. So when you're dating, you know, keep it real, (laughs) keep it super real, like be yourself and allow yourself that time to grow in your own relationships to add those events as you go. Cause ironically, when you get, you know, years into a relationship and you may be feeling like, Oh, this is starting to feel a little bit dull. That's when you add those moments after building that super secure, solid, loving, trusting, passionate, intimate foundation. That's where you start adding things like going rollerblading together or I don't know, bungee jumping or whatever it is that you do for me. I don't know what would be outside of my comfort zone that would still fall in the realm of possibility. I don't know, like going on a Segway scooter date, maybe something I don't think I would love to do, but I know would challenge me and like bring that like rush of joy from doing something new. Um, But anyway, start with the foundation uh, that you've built together on kind of normal everyday stuff to see if there's actually a connection, not getting caught up in the illusion of a connection that's created by your hormones. Capiche? Capiche. Um, yeah, as I said, I'm a big fan of doing the dishes together and just laughing. That to me is like the most intimate thing. Just, you know, that's that the quotidian where you're just living together and loving together. And it's so precious and pure. You cannot put a price on tag on that. Um, if you are somebody who's seen this show, love is blind entirely, you know that it doesn't quite work out as expected. So yes, the spoiler is that not everybody gets married, but it's not really a spoiler if you've seen any part of the show. Um, You may also know or have have been invited to learn that our cultural views of relationships 
are really warped. Um, and if you didn't know that before, I really hope that was the red flag of the show for you that like our notion of what marriage means and the importance that some people put on marriage and togetherness is like so out of whack. It is so out of proportion. Um, the goal, our goal should be in a relationship to feel whole on our own and then come together with someone else who is also whole on their own so that we can live these interdependent lives together. So I'm independent, you're independent, we come together and we live this interdependent life together. True love feels like coming home to yourself. It's almost anticlimactic in nature. Passionate, yes, but filled with nervous butterflies, no. This is so misinformed and so misdirected. You know, there is a Buddhist, not saying, but I guess premise, the Buddhists have this notion, let's say, um, that if you feel butterflies when you're around somebody, that is actually feedback that they're not your person. When you have this total sense of feeling grounded and like you're at home and that it's just, you know, this almost neutral feeling of loveliness, that is the feedback that this could very well be your person, that ability just to feel like you can be who you are in the moment. The show goes on ad nauseum about like, well, I had butterflies when I first met you and my butterflies are gone and I don't know what to do about it because my butterflies always come with me and I can't, I can't be in this relationship if there are no butterflies. And again, cut to me almost screaming at my television from the couch being like, no, you've got it so wrong. You've got it so wrong. It isn't about feeling that kind of hype all the time. It's about feeling safe, uncomfortable and grounded and at peace it's about feeling like you can be 100% yourself in the company of another person. That's really loving. We have placed such a such an importance on these false standards of what love is that it's like kind of sickening to watch that, you know, even if I'm not sure about this marriage, I'm going to commit to it because God forbid I be on my own. That's so out of whack. The other thing they keep saying over and over on the show is that like, and I don't know, this has got to be just part of the production value. Um, but you know, there's like this big, this climactic lead up to, are they going to say yes at the altar or are they going to walk away forever, ever, ever, ever? Nothing is forever. You know, we have this notion that marriage lasts forever and I'm sorry, but our notion of marriage has changed. Our lives have changed so much. If you haven't already listened to my episode on what it like really feels like to get divorced, you should circle back there and listen to that now. Forever is a long time. And when we had uh, a lifespan of like 40, um, marriage made forever and ever, it made a lot of sense because, you know, you got together, you got married, you had had a bunch of kids, you had the kids work with you on the farm and bam, you were dead at 40. It's conceivable that you and I will live to like our 80s, if not our 90s. So if you get married when you're 28, as often we are pushed to do, um, that is so much life yet to live. And because we continuously evolve over a lifetime, it's unrealistic to assume that all of us are going to stay married for that long. It's like such an out of date notion. If you did listen to that episode, you're going to know, and I'll say it again here, I'm an avid believer in marriage and like a fan of marriage. I intend to be married again um, with the very solid understanding that like 
death does not do you part. Happiness is the foundation and trust and intimacy and, you know, being committed to work and evolve together. That's what a marriage is built on, not the premise of like, well, I'm going to make this one decision that's going to change the rest of my life forever and it's undoable. That's just not the case. And if that is how you feel, then I would actually invite you to take a look at why you feel that way. Is it a personal belief of yours? Is it a religious belief of yours? Or is it something that you've actually been conditioned to just buy into without ever stopping to think about it? Again, nobody ever expects you to buy one car for the rest of your life or live in one house for the rest of your life. A marriage effectively, and some people are not going to like this is a contract and it's a contract to stay, you know, true to each other and loving towards one another. And sometimes life changes and shit happens and we have to bounce back. Sometimes one of us evolves and the other one doesn't. Sometimes we both evolve, but in totally different directions. And, you know, that's just a reality of the world we live in when we're together. We have the ability to be together for like 60 years of our lives. Love is not blind. Love is an energy. It doesn't require the codependent dynamic of someone being rescued and someone being saved. It invites the best version of two people to come forward together and grow together. It isn't conflict averse. It fosters communication through challenge and adversity. Again, listen to that again. Love isn't conflict averse. It provides health opportunities to navigate conflict through open, honest, compassionate understanding while, while you go through and navigate challenge and adversity. It doesn't make anyone happy who isn't already happy. It amplifies our natural ability to be happy in the moment with each of us being responsible for our own emotions. At one point, one of the, I'm going to say characters, one of the personalities on the show turns to his partner and says, you know, I wasn't really happy before I met you. And I think it's because I was missing you. Once again, me eating popcorn on the couch, throws popcorn at the TV being like, oh my God, you have to be happy yourself first. You have to be fully in who you are before you can show up and give the best version of yourself to your partner. I really believe that if you aren't happy, somebody else can't create happiness for you. They can amplify it, but you have to start with your own ability to create happiness and joy as you are. And then your partner who is also whole and happy on their own, you can help amplify that. But you are responsible only for your own happiness and only for regulating your own emotions. You are never responsible for regulating the emotions of another. You are never responsible for creating joy and happiness for anyone other than yourself. And that's like a serious flaw of this show that I think we really need to um, pay attention to. Lastly, love teaches us to focus on the long-term health, tenderness, and strength of the marriage, not of the wedding. And, you know, circling back to my previous few comments, if you don't believe that, if you think that, like, getting caught up in the wedding is the point, you're missing the point. You're missing the point entirely. Your wedding day should a hundred billion percent not be the happiest day of your life. It should be a lovely day in, you know, that has a sense of occasion that marks uh, the beginning of a fresh chapter together for both of you, for your families, for the joining of your families. It's a really special day, but oh my God, it should not be the best day of your life. You should keep having more awesome days together as the relationship evolves. Think about that. You know, maybe watch the show now again, 
with this lens um, that you can look through and, and see it in a different way. Um, if you hop on some of the, the personalities Instagram accounts that are all verified and start reading through the comments, it's scary. It's actually scary to see what people are reading and to see what people believe that and they're, you know, they're watching these codependent relationship dynamics unfold and they're like, oh, if you don't get married, I'm literally going to kill myself. And it's like, wow, we need to talk to you. We need to get you to tune into this show. We need to also probably find you a therapist because that sounds really risky. Um, but nonetheless, watch the show. Think about this podcast. There are so there's so much to learn from love. And you know, just like when you have a bad boss, sometimes you can learn how to be an amazing uh, leader yourself through having had a terrible leader. And I really think that even if you're going to commit to, if you commit to starting this show, you're committing to finish this show, just like straight up. Um, you can learn a lot through watching a shit show of terrible dynamics or unhappy dynamics or unhealthy dynamics. You can learn a lot in the absence of what real love looks like about what real love looks like. Uh, and I hope going forward that this, you know, serves you in your day. If you get value from this podcast and if you feel like it is making a difference in your life, do you know what would be amazing? If you would share that with a friend, <laughs> I would just love it. If you would share it with a friend, tell them the impact that it's having on your life. Even if you want to just, you know, subscribe or give me a, a five-star rating, for example, or whatever rating it's worth to you and leave a comment that is so helpful in growing the, um, the audience and the reach of this podcast, that it would just be such a delight if you would take your own precious time and do that for me. Until next time, my lovely, I hope you have just a wonderful day and thanks for being here. And I hope that ultimately this has helped you find the clarity and what you want, confidence in who you are and the courage to stay true to both. By all means, learn from the past, prepare for your future, but ultimately you have to live in the now. It's fascinating when you just focus on, you know, imagining what the highest version of yourself would do. And then you start to act as if you already are that person. You can watch it transform your behavior right now. <sighs> we did it. <laughs> Let's go get some tacos. <laughs>